I want to take this opportunity to open this new year by saying welcome to anybody that's joining us here for the first time, or if you haven't joined us in a while, especially those of you online, we want to say welcome to uh, Hosanna Christian Fellowship. We're so excited to be here with you guys today to celebrate the start of this new year. I am Pastor Nathan, in case you don't know. And today we're going to be starting this new year off in the Word and in communion because uh, that's important. That's the foundation of everything. You know, I'm looking forward to this new year as we continue as a church together to pursue Christ in our lives and to grow in Him. And, you know, looking forward to this year coming up for Hosanna. In a couple weeks here, we're going to be starting a brand new study through the book of Revelation. And I'm excited about that. But it's kind of weird because, you know, you typically think um, the New Year's focus is new things. And we're going to start the year with the end of the Bible and the end of all things, which is really what the book is all about. But it's good stuff because, to be completely honest, um, the thing I'm looking forward to the most this year is the return of Jesus Christ. And I would not at all be upset if Jesus returned this year and took us into glory. But to springboard off of Revelation, I wanted to share with you in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, Jesus speaking to John, he says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore... Write what you have seen, what is, and what will take place after this. You know, front to back, all of this is about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus and will always be about Jesus. But today I want to springboard from what he said there to John in verse 19 and start this year looking at what was, what is, and what will be for our church, Hosanna Christian Fellowship. You know, at the end of every year, the media, they always put out these, you know, years in review and review reels and, and wrap-ups and all these different types of looking back to see what happened and what took place. You know, on my Spotify the other day, I got my uh, review, reel, re- review reel on Spotify, and, and my top song of 2022 was Solid Rock. And I thought, well, that's a cool song to have as your top song. But I'm going to be honest, I cheated a little bit. The reason it was my top song was because I had to listen to it a thousand times to learn it for worship. And so, um, but still, you know, my, my top 18 songs on my list were all worship songs, and that just blessed my heart, considering in past years my top songs were all Japanese uh, heavy metal. So um, it was good. But after the reviews and all of that stuff, oftentimes what you see is there'll be uh, experts or whoever, they'll come along and they'll start making predictions about the future. They'll start making predictions about the year to come or the years to come. And sometimes these predictions are astonishingly accurate and sometimes they're woefully inaccurate. You know, for example, in 1987, this uh, small company called Apple Corporation predicted that one day they would have, they would, uh, there would be voice-based personal assistance on a computer that you could carry in your pocket. And in 2011, guess what came out? Siri on the iPhone. Pretty darn accurate. But then at the end of last year, there was a psychic who predicted that Bitcoin will surpass $100,000 in 2023. And uh, well, we know how that happened, right? It's uh, gone from 80,000 to about 16,000 now. So, but the reality is this, you know, when it comes to the new year and looking ahead and looking back and planning and, and all that stuff, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But as believers, we know who holds tomorrow, don't we? And that is the hope of every Christian as we look into a new year, that no matter what, no matter what, God has this whole thing in the palm of his hands. And he is the one we look to. He is the one we put our faith in. He is the one we trust as we navigate this new year coming up ahead of us. But we're gonna start this time by worshiping him and praising him because he is worthy He is the one that it's all about, and we want to let him know how much we love him through our praise, through our worship, through our song, and so we're going to do that, but let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, so much. We thank you, God, for last year and all the years before it, and Lord, we thank you for the year to come. God, we're all looking forward to your return, and we're desperately waiting for that, God, but if you tarry for another year, Lord, 
We trust and believe, God, that you are going to work in and through us and in and through our church, Lord, as we go into this world as a body of believers to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people would know you as their Lord and Savior and have the salvation and the peace and the joy and the hope that comes with that. And so, Lord God, as we are gathered here today to start this year, God, we just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us afresh that we would be just full of, of, of your power and your equipping to do the things you're calling us to do this year, to step into ministry that you're calling us to step into, to serve in ways, Lord, that maybe we've been holding off on, Lord, but this would be a year, God, that is different in our walk with you as we've drawn closer to you and reflect you more to the world around us. So, Lord, we thank you so much, God, for, for what was, Lord, and what you've done. We thank you, God, for what is and what you're doing today. And Lord, we thank you for what will be, what's to come in the future in front of us, Lord. We do love you so much, God, and we want to just see you glorified in every way, in our individual lives and here in our church. But Lord, we want to start this year in worship, praising your name, God, because you are worthy. God, you have died for us, you have saved us, you rose from the dead, you granted us new life and the hope of heaven and eternity, God, and Lord, we can't say thank you enough for that. And so, Lord, we would just want to start by glorifying you because you are the one that is worthy of our worship. We love you so much, and we thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I feel the beginning of the year is a great time to remind all of us what Hosanna is all about, what your church is all about, and what we're about here as a fellowship. And then possibly for those of you who maybe just started coming to Hosanna in the last year, and maybe today's your first time, is to just take the opportunity to introduce you to, to the missions and the values of our fellowship here and what we're all about, you know. Um, the mission of Hosanna Christian Fellowship is to know the truth, to live the truth, and to share the truth. And it's something we talk about periodically, um, probably not enough, but everything we do as a church fellowship is governed by this mission um, under the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, in John 17, 3, at the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus prayed this. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. And then we know that Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Hosanna, this church is about knowing Jesus, living Jesus, and sharing Jesus. Jesus, knowing him personally, who he is broadly, and what that means for us individually daily, and that comes from knowing his word, which is the truth. In John 17, 17, in that same prayer that we read about in John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so this church, if you've been here for any length of time, you'll know that we put a great emphasis on the teaching and studying of his word, the Bible. And we put an emphasis on that by going verse by verse through the whole counsel of God's word so that we get the whole counsel of God's word. We think it's important to go from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation because that means that you're going to deal with the stuff you don't want to deal with. You're going you're gonna to meet those moments in Scripture where God is going to deal with that issue that you may have that you've been trying to push aside and ignore. And if you go through all of it, you're going to hit all of it. And that's why we put a great emphasis on knowing the Word. Um, but knowing Jesus, knowing Him, having that relationship with Him, it comes through His Word. But it also leads to knowing God's will for our lives, what God wants you to do, what God wants me to do. It leads to knowing God's calling on our lives. It leads to knowing God's gifting in our individual lives, and so we're about knowing that truth as well. God, what do you want from me? What have you gifted me to do? And that's another reason why we study the word so diligently to make sure that we know his will for our lives. But we're not just called to know the truth, to be intellectually informed. We as God's children are called to be different we are called to live different from the world around us. We are called to be different people, and so we labor to know the truth so that we could then live the truth, that we would live Jesus, or as he said there in John 17, 17, to live sanctified, which means to be set apart from this world. 
And so as a church, we teach that and encourage that, that we would follow the example of Christ and his teaching on how to be and who to be and how to live and, and really coming down to being and loving the way he wants us to, which is the call on God's life for his kids. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And that's the message. That is the whole message wrapped up, that we would love one another, that we would love him as he told, you know, what am I to do? Love God. Love your neighbors yourself. And then, of course, you've heard me mention in Bible studies at different times that if you are interested in doing a very fun and illuminating and challenging study is go through the New Testament and find all of the one another verses. All of the different ways he teaches us to love one another by being patient with one another and kind with one another and praying for one another and all of that, that stuff that we talk about. And so we're called to love one another, but a part of that involves discovering and then exercising our own spiritual gifts in service of him to one another. And so we labor to find those things out. And this also involves being involved in and connected in one another's lives because it's together that we lift each other up and encourage and help one another. Now in doing that, it leads to sharing the truth, sharing Jesus Yes, that means by word and direct evangelism, and we make opportunity for that here at our church. We provide gospel tracts and things so that you guys have the opportunity to, to directly share the truth, to share Jesus with people. But it also means sharing Jesus by the witness of our individual lives, by how we live, the witness of our lives as people, and then the witness of what we do as a church here in the community where God has us. Because I believe that when the world sees Jesus in his people, when the world sees Jesus and his heart flowing through his people, it is an incredibly powerful evidence to his transforming power and what he could do in their lives. Now, it has been one year since our founding pastor, Pastor Gary Ansdell, um, stepped out of the role of senior pastor into Pastor Emeritus, and I haven't burned the place down yet, so that's good, <laughs> right? Yeah, woo! <laughs> um, but over the last year, we've, we've had so many new faces uh, join the fellowship, and it's just been really exciting to see God continue his work through our fellowship to, to minister to people. And, and we've had people come in and, and share just kind words. And, and, and one of the things that, that, that has blessed me so much is, wow, you guys teach the word here. You care about the word here. And, and of course, and it's so neat to hear that, you know. But during this last year, we continued doing some of the things we've always done and stopped doing others and introduced some new things in pursuit of knowing the truth and living the truth and sharing the truth. We continued obviously living out our mission by congregationally gathering here every Sunday, right? We wouldn't really be church if we didn't gather together congregationally to worship him and we, we do that. We come together to worship the Lord, to study his word together. We do that both online and in person and so we've invested into being able to reach people through our online ministry as well as investing here that we would be a place that you could come and hear the word of God and, and, and all that comes with that. We continued going through scripture over this last year, verse by verse, and chapter by chapter, and book by book. Over the last year, if you look back, we covered first and second Peter, first, second, and third John, and just finished the book of Jude. We continued as a church living the truth and sharing the tru truth through um, our community outreaches that we did, through programs that we've been a part of for years like Operation Christmas Child and our Adopt-A-Family program to basically practically show people that we love you and we're here and we're here to support and take care of the community as best we can. But we shifted early in the year our midweek ministry focus from a congregational gathering to our community groups which is basically instead of a single midweek service here on Wednesday nights, we, we, we shifted to multiple community group gatherings throughout the week as we launched our community group program, all with a desire to promote more relational opportunity as you guys minister to one another through those intimate opportunities. And as of our last small group season, I was really blessed to see that, that there are more than double the amount of people involved in midweek ministry through our community group seasons than, than had been at our midweek single service in, in quite a long time. And that just blesses me as a pastor because it's more people getting plugged in with each other. 
And so we've seen through that people committed to developing relationships within their church family, taking the opportunities to practically minister and pray with one another. And then through that, we've also seen people identify and develop and exercise their own spiritual gifts and the calling that God has on their life. We started a new evangelism ministry, as I mentioned earlier, that is continuing to meet regularly, specifically for skill training, right? The biggest thing that people have against evangelism is I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And so our skill trainings are a great opportunity to say, let's role play that. Let's, let's talk through the conversations. Let's analyze some of the objections people have so that we know how to answer those things. We had our first VBS in a number of years earlier this year, and that was very successful and reached so many in our community. And then, of course, back in June, we started doing baptisms here in our sanctuary as a part of our service, which has been such a blessing. And we've had people getting baptized at every single baptism service, including next week. We already have people signed up. And as I mentioned, if you want to get baptized next week, make sure you do sign up for that. As a staff and a leadership, this last year, we spent the year working to, to define granularly the values that, that we operate, of as, operate from as a church, you know, so that, so that we could be in a line with what God has for us and really prayed and sought how to promote those values in and through the culture here at Hosanna. Some of these values are already at work, and some of them we want to lean into and develop more as we move forward as a church. And one of those values um, that's heavy on my heart is community. And that was kind of behind starting the community groups and seeing the relationship and the family grow and flourish together. You know, it's very easy um, to show up to church and never be plugged into the family. You know, and so as we gather together congregationally and we sit and we hear the teaching and worship, it's a wonderful thing, but the community groups have given an opportunity for people to really get committed and plugged in with each other's lives. And so we stated this value this way. It said, we value community because we grow better when we grow together. And that's what we've seen and I want to continue to see in our church, that we promote family living together in the sense of the church family, living life together, promoting life together, not just seeing each other once a week and, hey, how you doing? But connecting, because we have good times where we want to celebrate together, and we have really challenging times where we need the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ. The second value that, that, that I think we're going to be pursuing more as a church is discipleship. And we stated it this way, we intentionally discover and develop our calling so that we can help others do the same. That as a church, we want to know what God's calling on our life is and what he's gifted us to do, and we want to pour into developing that and identifying that, not just learning and hearing the word, but applying the word, living the word, doing the word, growing as followers of Jesus. The third value that, that I think really defines Hosanna and something we want to continue moving forward in is, is self-sacrifice. And we stated it this way, everyone sacrificially serving one another means everyone's needs are met. And the idea is, comes from the early church in Acts, you know, where it says everybody was just kind of selling their goods and, and bringing everything in to help one another. And, and so this year, we're going to ask everybody to sell everything. You, no, no, we're not going there. That's, that's not the direction. But the idea is that Hosanna is, and I pray will always continue to be, such a generous church that every time we've had an opportunity to say we want to raise money for this or raise funds for that, um, as the body here at Hosanna, you guys step up. And with our Adopt-A-Family program, you guys just step up in such generous ways. And, and we want to continue that, that, um, that value pouring through everything we do as a church. So serving and giving, not just when it's easy or convenient to do so, but because it's the right thing to do. And it's a reflection of the heart of the God we serve. And so doing it even when it costs us something is the idea here. And so the culture we want to keep developing is where we continue to be active participants in the work of the, work of the kingdom here at Hosanna through generous giving of our time, giving of our resources and our finances when we're called to do that, serving in, in different capacities, but being people that are willing to say, look, even if it costs me something, I'm willing to give to the benefit of the church and the work of the kingdom so that the gospel continues to go forward. And then the last one that really is on my heart is the value of innovation. You might go, innovation, what, is, what does that mean? Well, we stated it this way, that we want to always intentionally be seeking better ways to meet the need. You know, I'm a tech guy, 
and I've always been uh, interested in tech and moving forward. But the idea is this, is that we never want to get caught in the this is how we've always done it trap. Oh, we do it this way, just that's how we've always done it. Because that's when you start to die. That's when you start to lose your effect, you know. We always want to be open to the Holy Spirit leading us to do um, new things or to do things we're doing in different ways as those needs present themselves. But in that value of innovation, neither do we want to abandon what works well simply to go after the new and shiny thing, right? We always want to be seeking the Lord to say, God, do you want us to do something different? God, is there a a new way to reach people with with technology? Is there a new way to do uh, this or that so that the Holy Spirit is not restricted by us just being caught up and this is what works and that's all we're ever going to do? But overall, we want to, as a church, always be doing God things, not just good things. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a tremendous number of good things that we could be about as a church, a tremendous number of good things we could be doing as a church, but, but realistically, we can't do everything, right? We can't do everything, and if we try to do everything, that means that we'll end up not doing anything really well. And so the idea as a church and the values behind this is, is, is as a church, when it comes to the people and the time and the resources that God has provided to Hosanna, we want to have a culture of always asking God, what do you want us to do as a church? What do you want us to be about as a church so that we maximize the effect that God wants Hosanna to have in the community around us? And so in the myriad possible ministry activities that exist, the myriad possible ministry activities that a church can engage in, um, through prayer, I believe there's six that the Lord has put on my heart. And he goes, look, I want you uh, as a leader and as a church to, to focus on these things and do these things really well in the ministry that I've called your church to have. And so as a church, I want to focus on these things the best we can in the year coming ahead of us. Um, some of these things we're already doing well. I think, and I say that humbly, not pridefully, but some of them we want to get better at, and we, we can do better at, and so the first one that I believe the Lord says, focus on this and do this well, is teaching the Word of God, and so we're going to continue teaching the way we teach, but not just for me to teach, but in this next year, we want to move forward in providing opportunities to teach others how to study and how to teach and how to share the Word of God. We want to intentionally lean into raising those up who say, hey, I, I might have a pastoral calling on my life. Great, we're going to want to put together you know, actual practical means to do that and not just go, hey, good luck. You know, but, but really pour into developing that as a church. And that's in all of our ministries, whether it's a children's church or youth ministry, that this is a place that teaches the word of God. One of the ones that I want to do very well moving forward and continue to grow in is worship. And our presentation of worship and how we worship, that I, just, I feel like the Lord wants us to do it well and to do it good, and we're going to push towards that. Um, the third one is, is family and children ministry. That's something that I feel as a church we want to focus in on and doing uh, even better than we've done. And what I mean by family and children ministry is obviously to be a place that people would say, hey, my kids are taught here. My kids are, are taken care of here. My kids are safe here. My kids are, are attended to and ministered to in a really radically powerful and effective way. And one of the things we're doing with that is we have a new youth building down the street that we've been um, remodeling for the last month, and we're looking to have that open in February to move our children's ministry down into a place where they got more space. And it's just, um, I'm, I'm just really excited. Uh, one of the rooms is orange. And for me, that's just a big deal. It's just, I walk in there and I'm like, this is so cool. And so I don't know if you don't like orange, but I like orange. Okay. But, um, but we're going to be moving forward with, you know, using tech to do, you know, uh, making sure that the kids are checked in and checked out in a safe manner so that you as parents know that, you know, we, we, there's no possibility of some weirdo walking up and, and checking your kid out of youth ministry, you know. We're leaning into all of these types of things. And then with the family ministry part of that is just really intentionally looking at how we can equip the families to, to do intentional ministry in their own homes and in their own lives to equip them to be able to, as couples, pray together more and pray together better and as parents to, to minister to their kids more and better through just the, the, the day-to-day of life. The next one, obviously, that I feel like God wants us to keep developing is our community groups and the relationship and the discipleship that happens in those things. And then outreach and service, our five and six, you know, 
As a church, we've always been a church that promotes evangelism, but I want to keep pouring into opportunities to be practically showing the, the community around us that, that we love you, that we're here for you, and that Jesus loves you and is here for you. And so we're going to be pouring more into that. And so the idea with these things is that if it doesn't fall into one of these things, we're probably going to step back and say, maybe we don't invest time and resources into that because we can't do everything. Right? If we try to do everything, I think everything will suffer. And so we're going to look into those things. And then obviously, always following the Spirit, because the Spirit has the authority to go, nah, and change everything at a whim. So uh, we're always going to be praying and seeking Him, but all um, in pursuit of Jesus, and knowing Jesus, and living Jesus, and sharing Jesus. And so that's kind of the, the vision, and the mission, and the direction that our church is going to be pursuing this next year as we go forward. But I wanted to spend some time in Ephesians chapter chapter 5, as we look forward to the year and as we move forward into the year and look at some encouragements that, that God has in the word here about how to keep moving forward um, in a positive way, in a victorious way, how to keep moving forward in pursuing Jesus and knowing Jesus while we're waiting for Jesus to come back and take us. And so if you'll join me in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 15 through 17 this morning. Um, and he says this as Paul is writing, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because of the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, Paul, in, in writing here, he spent the first three chapters of the letter to the Ephesians talking about what we should know, talking about the riches we have in Christ, talking about how we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But then in chapter four, he makes a shift in his letter to start talking about what we should then do based upon what we should know. And it's really the idea of how we should walk. And Paul uses this word walk a lot to describe the Christian life, the idea of Christian living. And in Ephesians, you'll see Paul talks about walking in unity, walking different from the world, walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. And some of that wisdom, I believe, is here in these, these few verses we're looking at. And there's three principles that I kind of want to lay at our feet this morning to say these are principles that, that, that I encourage us to, to, to use to guide this year as we pursue Christ and want to know him more. And the first one that we see here in moving forward until Jesus comes back is to walk carefully. You'll notice what Paul said there, pay careful attention to how you walk. In other translations, this is uh, translated walk circumspectly, if you have like a new King James translation. And simply what the phrase means is to, as you're walking, watch, look around, be precise as you take each step. You see, the Christian life is not meant to be lived haphazardly, um, it's not meant to be lived in a whatever happens, happens kind of mindset, right? Or as the youths might say, what if? I don't know if they say that, you know? They're just like, wow, Nathan, you're so old. Okay. Um, but the idea is, is just, uh, just going to let life happen to me. That, that's not how we're intended and called to live the Christian life. We're called to live the Christian life on purpose. And it should be lived very carefully with certain life principles governing how we do everything we do. And so we're called to pay careful attention to how we walk, to make sure that we look around and we're precise as we take each step of our lives in pursuit of knowing Jesus and living Jesus and sharing Jesus. Paul then qualifies this statement, you know, because I, I said it's to, to live carefully with certain life principles governing what we do. And you go, well, whose principles? Well, he says there, not as unwise people, but as wise. You know, generally, the idea of wisdom is applied knowledge. It's not intelligence. Wisdom and intelligence are two different things. You know, you could be incredibly smart and incredibly unwise. And you might know people like that. You may feel like I just called you out right now, and I'm not trying to be offensive or rude, right? But sometimes intelligence um, is coupled with an, an incredible lack of wisdom. And so he says, be wise here. Don't just know things, but apply that knowledge. Don't just have facts in your mind, but then do something with those facts. Live according to those truths. 
Now, if you look at the world today, we see a problem because in 2 Timothy 3.3, this is how Paul describes the world, that there are those always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so he uses this phrase, unwise and wise here. And that word wise means our attitudes and conduct, whose nature and origin is from God. It's not just worldly wisdom. He says, be wise. Live, have attitudes and conduct whose nature and origin is from God. So wise is having discernment about the truth, and unwise is the opposite, lacking discernment about the truth. What this means is knowing what is right according to God and then living it. So when he says, pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, as, not as unwise, but as wise, this idea here is to know what God wants, to study his word, to be in his word, to be able to discern the truth of what does God want me to do, how does he want me to live, and then do it. Then walk accordingly. Now, just in case you are thinking I'm saying knowledge is bad, I'm not. You know, knowledge is, is on its own isn't bad. I'm not putting down learning and all that. But, but, but walking carefully and, and walking in wisdom means intentionally learning what God wants us to do and then doing it. That's the idea. And I think, you know, every year, that's the point. Learn what God wants and then do it. Be obedient to him. You know, there's so many times in, in, in my life and in ministry and counsel where, where I've had the opportunity to share with people and they're having struggles or challenges or this, that, and they're like, you know, what should I do? And it's like, well, here's what God's word says to do. And then they don't do it. And then they come back and they go, ugh, it's not working. And the reality is, is no, you're not working. You've got to do what the word says, and you have to do it consistently over a long period of time. Now, it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's challenging, and it hurts. But doing God's word leads to God's will flourishing in our lives. And so obedience is the call there. But in verse 16, we see the second principle that I want to point out today. He says, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So the second of these three principles that Paul gives us here in moving forward in our lives until Jesus comes back is to watch faithfully. So the first one was to walk carefully. The second one is to watch faithfully. And the idea here is that as God's people, we are faithfully watching for opportunities to live according to God's truth. You know, when you think of time, it's an interesting thing. Um, we go through our lives, and we're governed by time, right? I mean, what are we celebrating today? The new year, right? We have calendars and apps and all this stuff, and we largely operate in our lives in terms of minutes and hours and days and weeks and months, but that's not the point of the text here, okay? Um, the typical Greek word for time is the word chronos, and you might think of the word chronology, which is the idea of minutes and days and hours and seconds and all that. And so he's not saying make the most of the minutes. Make the most of every second. You're like, you gotta, you gotta you know, have a planner and you divide your day into 10-minute segments and you gotta be like, okay, how spiritual is each one? That's not what he's talking about here. The word he uses here for time is kairos. And the word kairos means opportunities or events, time periods, if you will. And so... When we think of time, we know that all of us have a limited time to be and do here on this earth. But he's saying, no, look at it this way. We have limited opportunities to be and do while we're here on this earth, which is why it's important for us to take time to pray and to figure out our mission, to figure out our values, to figure out the specific things God would want us to focus on, to make the most of those opportunities that are presented to us. And if God doesn't come back in 2023, then it's another opportunity for us as a church to pursue Christ and to see people come to know him. And so, again, you spend time going, God, what do you want us to do with the opportunity to live one more year, one more week, one more day, one more month for you if that's the way you want to look at it? 
But he says here, making the most of it. In other translations, it's more popularly redeeming the time. That might be how you've memorized the verse, right? Redeem the time. And that's an interesting word. In the Greek, it's ex agorazo. Ex agorazo. Um, It's simply a word that means to gain an advantage or to make a profit. That's what he means by redeeming the time here. And it's interesting because this word comes from the term agora. And if you're a history student, you might know that in Greek cities, what they called the marketplace was the agora. It was the place where you went to make a profit. And so the idea here in redeeming the time or making the most of the time is is taking, seizing every opportunity and making that opportunity the most spiritually profitable that it can be. That's what he means here by making the most of the time. It means that there may be many good things to do in a moment, but what is the most spiritually profitable use of the the opportunity according to your calling and according to the gifts that God's given you? What is is he calling you to, to do? What is he equipping you to do in this opportunity? Because there's a thousand good things we could do, but what is he calling you to do? What is he calling us to do? You guys know the story of uh, Mary and Martha, right? Pretty famous story. Jesus is over for dinner. Martha is cooking. She's doing a good thing, right? She's hosting. She's preparing a meal. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Mary is over there sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to Jesus talk, and Martha complains. She's not helping me do this good thing. Tell her to get up and help me. I'm trying to prepare food for you. She got so preoccupied doing a good thing that in the moment, in the opportunity, she was missing the God thing. And Jesus told her, you are worried about unnecessary things. Mary is the one that made the most spiritually profitable choice in that opportunity. And in that moment, the most spiritually profitable choice was, was, was seizing that opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. Now, every opportunity has its own thing for every single one of us, its own most spiritually profitable thing we could do for every single one of us according to our callings and our giftings. Like, if, if we had no vocalists show up for a Sunday morning, it would not be the most spiritually profitable thing for me to sing. That would not be the good thing, Right? Um, my giftings and callings are elsewhere, right? So I should step into that, you know? Now, it's not saying that don't be willing to and ready to step in and fill a need when it's there, but always be like, God, what do you want me to do? Because as people, I think we often waste so much of our time and, and we waste so many of the opportunities we got not doing what is most spiritually profitable because we want to do the most comfortable thing or we want to do the most convenient thing. And so the idea is, God, what is the most spiritually profitable right now? Even if it's uncomfortable for me, even if it's stretching me, what do you want me to do? And so we walk carefully and we watch faithfully for the opportunities. Now what's interesting is Paul even qualifies this statement and he tells us why we should watch faithfully for these opportunities, because the days are evil. You know, we know that that we live in a temporal linear existence right now, but one day we will be free from that and we will be in a realm of eternity and timelessness. And when you're in eternity, When you're in timelessness, those opportunities, those moments that we have here will be gone. The opportunity to to pass out a tract. The opportunity to maybe write a book, preach a sermon, write a song, make a phone call, encourage a person, pray with someone, seek reconciliation, help a single parent. Those, Those opportunities will be gone when we're on the other side in eternity. So while we were here in our chronological time, in whatever time we have left individually, pray, seek, and learn what it is that God wants you to do. God, what is the mission statement of my life, if you will? What visions or what values in in, in things do you you want me to focus in on according to how you created me to be and the gifts you've given me and the things you're calling me to do so, so that, God, I will walk in those things very intentionally not being distracted by by what may be good, but is for someone else to do. And so seize the kairos. 
seize the opportunities for the greatest spiritual benefit. And the third principle that Paul gives us here in moving forward until Jesus comes back is to work thoughtfully. Look at verse 17 of Ephesians 5. He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, I'm going to paraphrase this bluntly. Don't be dumb. Don't live without good judgment. Don't live without reason. Don't live without direction or don't live willy-nilly like those without God, but understand what God wants you to do. Understand, learn it, and and figure it out. Now, the question that, that comes up from this is how do we find out what God wants us to do? Well, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says this. Without revelation, people run wild, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Now, some of you might recognize this verse in the King James Version, which is the most commonly quoted way it's written, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You see, God's will is revealed in his word. And it's revealed through his word in the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you want to live wisely in general, you'll find life-governing principles already revealed in the scriptures. God's general will, you might call it, right? And people go, yeah, but what's God's specific will for me? I believe God's specific will comes from the foundation of those principles found in his revelation to us. And when we follow that divine instruction as revealed in his word in a general sense of be who he's calling you to be, I believe it's through that that the Holy Spirit then speaks out his special particular will for us. When we're just generally saying, God, I want to live in obedience to you, I believe it's in and through that we find the Holy Spirit moving on our hearts. We find that we'll hear counsel and advice. We will have a leading or a sense, a leaning one way or the other, and then, and then we then take all of that and we line that back up with the word of God. And when all of that lines up with what we know in God's word, we say, I think God is calling me to this and leading me this way, and we step out in faith. Now, yeah, you could take spiritual gift tests and all these types of things, and and they're helpful in pointing you in a direction. But if you're not in God's word, you're wasting your time taking a spiritual gift test. (laughs) Get in his word. Study his word. Know his word. And as you intentionally study and learn his word and then work thoughtfully to seek God's will for you specifically in light of his general will for all of his children, I believe then you'll find what God's purpose and God's mission and God's focus in life is for you. And that's what we spent the last year doing as a staff for our church, right? And for Hosanna, it's always been the mission, the purpose, to know the truth, to live the truth, to share the truth to see the values of community and discipleship and self-sacrifice and innovation bear fruit for his glory through a focus on this church, this fellowship, being the best we can be in teaching and worship and family ministry and community groups and outreach and service. And so what's to come for Hosanna in the next year? Well, we will walk carefully and we will watch faithfully and we will work thoughtfully following the vision that God has provided to us. As I said, I'm excited to be launching our new children's ministry space. I'm excited that our third community group season is starting next week. I'm excited about the additional opportunities our evangelism team is seeking and and following the leading of the Lord and pursuing. But under knowing the truth, Hosanna is going to keep doing what we're doing on Sundays here in our teaching. We're going to keep going through the word. Somebody asked me, how long are you going to be in Revelation? And I'm like, till we're done. Maybe 36 weeks for those of you that are granular, but you know. <laughs> but under knowing the truth, this year I want to have some, some short, maybe workshop-style teachings on, on how to study inductively, kind of what they're doing with the youth, but opening it up to the adult fellowship. If you really want to know how to inductively study the Bible on your own, to be able to pull truths out of it, then, then I'm, we're going to have some classes this year that, that you can join in where we'll, we'll walk through that together and learn how to do that. We're going to have some time in, in, in helping identify spiritual gifts, right? What they are and how they function in the body and what that looks like. Um, last year, we had a track challenge, right? We said, hey, everybody, take one track and go pass it out. You know, this year, I want to do more of that, right? I had um, so many positive comments of that from people last year. Oh, my gosh, that track challenge. I, I've never passed out a track before. Now I'm doing it every day. And I'm like, oh, praise God. That's the point, right? Right? 
And so under knowing the truth and learning and discerning the truth, you know, maybe we might have some memorization challenges or one of the things I'm looking into is in the YouVersion Bible app, you can do church-wide Bible reading plans. And so uh, I want to pursue some of that so that we're all going through the word together as a fellowship and uh, being able to just pray through all of that and see what God is speaking to us all together. Under living the truth, just we're going to continue promoting that relational growth in our community groups, which naturally leads to the opportunities to support one another, to pray for one another, and to hold each other accountable through things. Um, we're praying about developing some intentional discipleship programs for both men and women, those who might want to have a one-on-one discipleship opportunity. We want to develop some of those that some of those this year. One of the things I'm really excited about is kind of revitalizing our helps ministry. Uh, we're calling it Hosanna Helps, and this is a ministry specifically geared at connecting those in the body with needs to those who can meet those needs, right? If, you're, if you have surgery and, and you can't get out of the house, our Helps ministry will go do your grocery shopping for you and bring meals to your house, you know? Maybe if you're like, you know, hey, I've got a fridge, I've got to move out of my kitchen to the curb, and, and I can't do that, the Helps ministry will, will be able to get some people to come help and move those things, and some of that practical ministry that... Um, needs to take place. We're putting that together as we speak. Praying more. I want to have some uh, church-wide prayer meetings this year where we just open the doors and invite everybody to come in and pray. We might do that in the room. We might do that online because that's a thing in our world today. But to, to give us opportunity to come together in, in prayer that way and and then pursuing some church-wide generosity goals. You want to talk about living the truth, right? Applying, putting into practice the things we learn and, and um. Like I said, you guys have always been so generous, and I was just like, God, I just love to, to keep, you know, pouring into that. And so one of the things the Lord put on our heart a couple months ago is um, we, we partner with Operation Christmas Child every year, and they're actually a division of Samaritan's Purse, which does work all over the world. And they put out this catalog every year of just different ways you can, you can financially participate in helping with some needs around the world. And I was flipping through it, and I flipped to this page where it said, build a church build a missionary hospital. And of course, I was like, hey, that sounds cool. And so I'm in contact with them and we're working through details to see how, as a church, we could partner with that in building a church or building a missionary hospital in a place that, that is really radically impoverished and saying, hey, we're not just about us here. We want to reach out and pour out to others. And so we'll be sharing that with you guys as we move forward in that. But under sharing the truth, you know, as a church, we're just going to pursue more community outreaches like we did last year with the car shows and the stuff. We're going to be getting better at simply communicating our mission and values to the community around us so that they know what Hosanna is all about and what we're here for and how we're here to help them and love them. And then um, taking advantage of, of online tools and opportunities to get the word out about Jesus farther and wider than we ever have. But most importantly, we're going to be looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ and praying towards that. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Amen? So I want to close today with a sharing in communion, closing this service as we start 2023 as a family and as a congregation with this very important sacrament that we observe together as Christians. Um, and really with the idea of starting our year focused on him and who he is and what he did for us, but with great expectancy for his return. And communion is that time where we remember that no matter what, God knows. No matter what, God has a will. And no matter what, God has a purpose for our lives, his kids. Because what he did on the cross in paying the price for our salvation and securing our freedom wasn't just a cool thing he did. It was because he wanted to have that fellowship with us, that communion with us, and then through us pour out his love and his glory to a world that desperately needs him. And so we remember all of that in communion in the observation of all of this. We remember that he lived. We remember that he died. We remember that he rose again, and he has done all of that, that we may know the truth, Jesus Christ, who said he is the truth, that we may live the truth, because Jesus Christ said he is the way, and that we may then share the truth, Jesus Christ, who said he is the life for everyone. So if you're in the room, you should have gotten one of the communion cups here. If you're online, uh, hopefully you have your communion emblems ready. Quick instructions if you're new. This cup has two plastic tabs on the front, a very thin one and a thicker one. If you pull back the thin one real quick, 
you will reveal the bread that is on the top of the cup there. You know, when you go into the Gospels and you look at the institution of the Lord's Supper, which is what we call communion, you'll see that Jesus took the bread, it tells us. And it says he broke the bread, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's always the point when we come to communion is to say he wanted us to remember something. He wanted us to reflect on something. Specifically, as we hold the bread, we remember that the bread represented his sinless body. That's why the bread has no leaven in it. It's not puffed up. But it represents his sinless body that was given for us. It causes us to remember and reflect that he took the full wrath of God, the full wrath of God for all sin and all unrighteousness. He took the full judgment of all of it on himself. It was his body that was brutalized. It was his body that went through all of the scourging and, and, and ultimately nailed to the cross. It was his body that was given for us. And we remember that. It should cause us to remember that we deserve the judgment for sin. That we are the ones who deserve the judgment for violating God's will, for violating God's law, but because he loved you and me so much, he stepped in. He stepped in the path. He stepped into to, to our place and he paid the price that we owed. Yes, every minute, every second, every hour, every day, every week, every opportunity that we have until from this time until the day we go home to be with the Lord is another opportunity to say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me so much that you died for my sin. Thank you that you loved me so much, that, that, that you changed my heart, you gave me a new nature that I could be different and live different. Thank you that you did that for me, perfectly reconciling and restoring my relationship with you, my creator. All that we may be his children now, understanding his will now and living for him now and forever. Forgive redeemed, sealed, and ready to do his will for his glory. That's what this is about. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you gave yourself for us. God, we would have no hope without you. God, even if we lived the goodest life according to man's definition, it would pale in comparison to the goodness and the glory that you are. And then, Lord, in comparison to the sins that we have in our lives, Lord, there is no possible way we could have paid that price. The wages of sin was death, and you died for us, Lord. It was your body given on the altar, the propitiation of our sin, the atonement for us. God, we want to start this year by remembering that and saying, thank you, God that you loved me so much that you would pay my price that I could be free. Lord, we love you. And God, we want to live as people who know your will generally and specifically that we would do what it is you're calling us to do for the glory of you, your name, and your kingdom. Thank you, God, for loving us so much. Let's partake together. If you have the plastic cup, if you then pull the thicker tab back very carefully to peel back the lid there and it'll reveal the juice. You know, in that same moment where Jesus took the bread, it also tells us that he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. The new covenant, the old one was one of temporary covering of sin. The old covenant was one of having to go back repeatedly Every year, every time you sinned, you had to go and pay the price. And the new covenant is God saying, I paid it. It's done. You don't have to pay the price. It is finished. And that's what we remember when we take of the cup. He wants us to remember that, that 
we can press on and keep moving forward from the ruins of sin, not looking back on sin, always trying to pay the price for what we have done, but looking forward, running towards the goal of eternity in that perfect fellowship with him, knowing that we've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgetting what is behind us, all the old ways, all the old hurts, all the old sins, all the old failures, even our old successes. It's a new year. To move forward, making most of the time, each kairos, each opportunity ahead of us for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. And it's because of his blood that washed the slate clean that gave us a brand new beginning to move forward from. And if you're a believer in this room today and, and Satan is beating you up with guilt about sins you've committed in 22, in taking of this blood, you have an opportunity to say, God, now repent of those things. Forgive me. And every time we partake of this cup, it's remembering that he's forgiven you. Yes, that he forgave you, because that's what was. But that he is forgiving you and he forgives you in this moment, that's what is. And that you are forgiven forever because that is what's to come. In eternity in paradise with him, God who loved you so much that he paid the price for your sin and then washed you clean of any stain of it. That is what 2023 should mean for us. Yes, a new beginning, a new start, a new day, a new opportunity to live for Jesus, to know him, to be an example of him in our living and to share him with those who don't know it. God, we thank you so much for the blood that you shed for us. Lord, we worship you and we praise you, God, because Lord, you washed us clean by your sinless, perfect blood. Lord, we weren't just relieved of the penalty of sin, But God, by being washed by your blood, we were put into a place of perfect reconciliation, God, that when you look at us even now through the blood of Jesus Christ, you see your perfect children. And God, here in our time, in our chronos, Lord, we need help to live each day to the glory of you. God, unfortunately, we know that, that while our sin, our flesh is still with us, there's, there's still a sin nature that dwells with us, God. And, and Lord, it's not about being perfect people, but it's about living every day, God, saying, I want to be obedient to you. And Lord, I pray you would help us to live in that obedience. That God, as we know you more, and as we live for you more, and as we share you more, we would be people whose desire is to glorify God whose passion is to, 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 to glorify your name in, in who we are. That when we tell people about you, Lord, we wouldn't be hypocrites. Yet, Lord, we still have sinned, and we got, God, we say thank you so much for your blood that washes us clean. We ask you to forgive us of all the wrongdoing we've done, Lord, and help us to move forward in purity. We love you so much, and we thank you. Let's partake together. Well, Father, we thank you, God, so much. Lord, we literally are nothing without you. And that, God, that's not to to live in a perspective of putting ourselves down, Lord. It's just a recognition, God, of how glorious and how almighty and perfect you are. God, we pray for this year coming up for our lives individually that we would just continue to grow and that we would mature in new ways, God, coming closer to you, growing closer to you, that we would be more like you in the lives we live. Lord, we ask that you would continue to increase our faith, that we would walk in faith and trust, Lord, with when it comes to jobs and when it comes to work and finances and and family and all of those things, Lord. That, God, even in the midst of chaos, we could have peace, about who you are and what you can do. That, Lord, we would be people in the exercise of our own free will to choose obedience instead of disobedience. But again, Lord, we know we can only do that through the power of your Holy Spirit within us, so help us, God. 
Help us to know you more, that we may live you more. And in doing so, share you more. Because God, you are the point of all of it. We love you. We thank you. Bless 2023, Lord. Bless our church. Bless our lives. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, I just uh, will be praying that, and that is my prayer for you and our church, that God would just blossom and flourish in your lives. I'm excited to see what God may be calling some of you to do this year as you step out in faith and in callings and giftings that maybe you didn't know you had. I'm excited to be a part of that process of discovering those things with you that we together as a fellowship would move forward as that city on a hill shining the light of the gospel, bright and vivid, that people would come to know Jesus Christ this year. And so keep praying for friends and family and coworkers because this may be the year that they come to know him. And if you're in their life, guess what? You're the light that is in their life. You get to shine the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you're just still going, I don't know what this is all about, pray. Seek the Lord. Know his truth that you may live his will and in doing so find out his specific will for your life. And along the way, letting people know that Jesus has changed your life forever. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.